0: Good evening, everyone. This is Prophet Ashley kicking off this evening's ABCs of Apostleship 2. We are still discipling apostolic Christians, and I tell you what, we just came home today, actually, from New York, where Dr. Price taught a powerful weekend of prophetic ed training. We can't wait to make this available to you online. She hit on some key things from leadership to eternity and the now and back and the prophetic and Everything else you can think of. Last week on ABCs of Apostleship, I feel like last week, previously on ABCs too, <laughs> she posed the question of why are you chasing a God that's not covering you and in dealing with people who are serving other gods and even in the way we say we're serving the Lord um, and how God says that it's time to know Him. And Being an apostolic Christian, one of the main things that we have to pursue is knowing God as he is, which sounds so simple and can be so challenging. We have a lot to navigate through culturally, scripturally. We've talked about all the different versions of the Bible. Okay, so you commit to reading your Bible. Which Bible should I read? It should be simple. It used to be simple. Everybody has the oversized Bible in the house. It was King James Version. Nobody but Grandma Grandpa could really understand what it was saying, but you didn't care. You had to read it anyway and have it read to you over and over and over, and then one day you got it. And it made sense because we were all saying the same thing. We were telling the scriptures the same way. And I believe that, uh, and we've addressed on the show, even having all these different versions of the scripture is just as much to blame. And the reason, and I would even say the reinforcement of all these other strands of faux Christianity. We got faux saints, faux Christ, okay, faux Bibles, everybody walking around. And this, I don't think we've seen in any other generation, Christians as unstable and unsure as this one. Back in the day, everybody knew. The Bible says, the Bible says, if some saints said, the Bible said, we all knew, if they started the scripture, we could all finish it the same way. And now someone's like, what? Where I was on one of my Bible apps reading something, and I thought, this scripture can't be right. That I thought I was looking, and then I looked at the version. It said, oh, I need to change the version so I can actually get to the word of God. And not story time with Jesus. And we turned this Bible thing into story time with Jesus. And she said, she talked about so many things about salvation taking work. And like everything else, that takes work, and salvation is intentional. Uh, Devotion, devotion to anything is work. Devotion to a new diet, devotion to an exercise plan, devotion to getting up on time, which usually means going to bed at a certain hour. It all takes work. And we do have uh, an easy button mentality when it comes to our Christianity because that's what we've been told, not because that's what God ever said. I mean, this is the man who instituted the law, after all, which was a lot of work for the people, a lot of work for the priests, a lot of work for everybody to, yes, and for him too, to see to it that uh, he, he was obeyed and that his, his way of doing life was instilled in humanity. And we're still trying to get there. But we're so far off the mark as to that's what God is actually doing trying to do. We made it about everything else. But we were in New York.
1: We had a blast.
0: We had a blast and, and New York had a blast.
1: Yes they did. Yes they the did. The people who came were touched and changed forever. And boy did God move. Yes he did. You know I can honestly say the Lord moved mightily by his spirit. He was doing a great work in the soul in the inner land. You know, I've often ministered to you from uh or I should say, about Matthew 10, because we kind of forget that. But Matthew 10, and and I think I talked about it a little bit last time, Matthew 10 and Luke, they all talk about, you know, soul cures, God, the apostle, ability to cure your soul. And I just really think that we probably need to get back to what that actually means. You know, what does that actually mean? What does what does God mean when He says soul cure? Well, I did a whole class on it, which my team will be taking. <laughs> Yay. Yay! When they get to the class, you know, but 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 He said, um, uh, you know, when they talked about Matthew 17, where talks about the disciples, you know, uh, again saying that they couldn't cure him, you know, and but but these were his his apostles, and obviously they didn't do much to, to cure, you know, they were just not there. But when I think about the word cure, soul cure, and it is from where we get our word therapy. And this week, God really released some quality apostolic therapy. Why is it important? You know, when we think about it, why is it important? Well, we're going to talk about that just briefly and use it as a segue to get into it. But anyhow, this will, you know it comes from the word therapy, thera- uh, thera- which is P, you know, we get therapy, therapy, and, um, but like therapeutic, and so, and it means that, and it really started out being with God, you know, obviously with the Lord because, he, you know, his whole family fell out, you know, they're kind of messed up and eaten, and so as a result. <laughs> It it, it actually means, you know, to adore God or specifically to relieve of disease, cure, heal, and worship. When God established his nation, he brought therapy. He told those priests how to cure his people, how to cure them physically, and then how to treat them emotionally or psychologically, psychologically, from what they're talking about. So we talk about that word often now, but now therapy has turned it has become the world's job. We don't do therapy any longer. We we, we do something that we, we do motivational speaking. We motivate you to be feel good about where you're stuck, and to feel good about the pieces of you that are frustrating your life or not delivering as you need them. But now, so now that's become a whole institution outside the church, and we just give spiritual guidance, you know, and 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 that's all part of the the warfare, part of the takeover that we permit. So, But when you think about it, it says to do service or service, but it's a service that heals, cures, restores to health. And, um, you know, we're, we're, and it's done by someone who is, you know, committed to the wholesomeness of people. Now, I don't think it should be done outside of the church um, and, and, or and not inside or vice versa. But what I do think and what I would like to think is that we care enough about why God put his apostles out there that, to use what he empowered us with. And that's what many of them wrote back about, Actually, They wrote me, you know, my life is forever changed. I got answers. You know, a lot of times, I've said to you before, people are bound by where they're confused or what they didn't know. You know, in other words, you may know that, you know, drugs will, will make you addicted. You could know that but you don't know what addiction feels like, and somehow or another, knowing its potential does not warn you against its potency or its extendedness its, and its damage along the way. You know, the soul is built in a, in a strange way, so you need to find out what made you think you were better than anybody else. I'm talking to somebody right now who, who you're addicted to prescription drugs. And the malady has long has been gone. That thing has been going a long time, but you began to get hooked on the feeling of feeling good. You went from, from appreciating being relieved of pain to appreciating or needing to feel good. And so you are going to have to track that feel good thing in your soul, in your life, to find out where you authorize your soul to respond to a, a remedy that so many people don't fall prey to. Now, granted, it's increasing, but I'm going to tell you, it is hooked. I'm telling you, now, you, you know, you're going to get your psychologist. I think they're wonderful people. We've got some in our, in our team and everything. Love it. But in the bottom line, God is the maker of all flesh, and I'm telling you, your thing is your bondage to bliss. I'm telling you. It's bondage to bliss. That's why you fall into most of the stuff you're doing. We're always looking for this blissful state of existence. Oh, somebody. <clears throat> yes, I did. I did it early. Did you catch me? I did it early so that you won't have to tell me you've been kidding it. You have got to re- stop thinking that a blissful state of existence is the answer to negotiating life. Because bliss relaxes. It doesn't put you in an active posture. It puts you in a relaxed posture. So it makes you inactive. So you meditate on how wonderful it feels despite how bad it is. Oh, boom. You know that's good. And so you're constantly meditating on how to feel real good about all of this craziness that's going on in your life. And when your meditations don't work, then you get a little help. Now you're coming up with a, a program. I'm telling you, this goes back to you wishing you were anywhere but in a situation that you were in. And I'm telling you this prophetically. I'm decreeing it apostolically because it's true. And you have to go back and think and, and, and really revisit that and deal with the fact that it's at that point that your soul bought into bliss means it's okay. Bliss drives the pain away. And it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And after a while, you need more and more bliss, and you become more and more listless about life, more and more indifferent, more casual. You begin, and In the beginning, you're so excited because it's like, oh, I feel so good. I was able to clean my whole house. I was able to catch up on my paperwork. All of that is the sales. That is the slavery sales pitch because after a while, the more your body gets in it, the less it wants to do. Because that's how we're built. And I'm telling you, you need to track that bliss authorization you put in your soul, your soul self, because that's why you can't let it go. Because to you, bliss answers everything. I'll just drift away. We'll just close our eyes and just drift away. We have a drug culture because we told them bliss was the answer for life. That is why we have a drug culture. We got to go back to, to 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 deauthorize that assignment. A false bliss. You know, if, if it doesn't work out right, just feel good about it. If it doesn't go well, just. Feel good about it. Just keep feeling good. And your world is going to, to pop. Your kids are going to pop. You don't have three marriages, and the one you win in is right now and is in a wreck. You've got your kids running around here and there. you got to look at somebody. You all caught up in bliss, and your little topless running around all nasty, meeting a little nose wife and a on, but you blissing out. You're blissing out so much so that through that bliss you see perfection where there is destruction. You see, you see literally, you see healing and you see a, a beauty where there is literal chaos. Or oh, he'll be all right. They'll be all right because your mind has left your body and gone where you sent it, and your body is sitting there saying, "It's not that bad." They'll be okay. All I know is I feel good. That's the height of self centeredness you, you send your intelligent self on a trip to blissland, And when you come back and find out it got worse while you were gone, you repeat the treatment and repeat the treatment until eventually the treatment treats you horribly. We can pray, and you've been in prayer lines. I've been in prayer lines. I've called the prayer line. I've been through this, and I've been through that. But you have to stop rewarding yourself for emotional discomfort. You keep buying yourself out of responsibility for life. And God is not going to answer that. You need to make up your mind whether or not you're going to live drifting away off of some imaginary cloud or whether you're going to take control of your mind. You know, one of the reasons that I detest that I detest meditation is because it's a bliss fit. I personally detest it because there's nothing in Scripture that tells you to drop out of your mind. Nothing in Scripture says empty your mind. It says put on the whole armor of God. It says gird up the loins of your mind. It says bring, bring your mind under. It says be renewed in the spirit of mind. It did not say send it on a trip. Nothing in scripture supports that. And I know a lot of y'all Christians out there doing it. And I promise you, you're gonna be in all kinds of slavery and all kinds of bondages and not know why. Because when you blank out your mind, there are no bars to stop what's coming into it. Because you have dropped your own guard. You are giving your mind permission to be occupied by you and something else. While you drifting off into Blissville. And trust me, I don't know who, I was just fighting a nap before the show. So come on, people. I've been thinking about this. But this is what God says. You have got to stop thinking bliss is the answer to life. Heaven is not bliss. We use that word. Heaven is not bliss. They're totally in control. Nobody walks around in this fire, this imaginary smoke, fog and smoke. They walk around in the Holy Ghost. they don't to have to churn them out, pump them out like like pumps of wind. When you, when you literally, help me God, when you get to a point that you stop saying you don't deserve the pressures of life and begin to declare you control the pressures of life. When you stop saying you don't deserve this, you're going to feel better because I'm going to tell you something. One thing about an addicted spirit, any spirit that has you addicted to anything guarantees a whole string of circumstances that will keep you running back to its cure and keep it in business because devils don't like to be homeless. Are y'all strong with me tonight? I need you to recognize your problem is you gave your mind and a command to never feel discomfort again. You commanded your mind to do that. That was your command. You commanded it because you felt I don't feel like I should have to go through this. This is just too hard. I feel like I, life should be whatever. And you got this whole you all even got imaginary thing, whoever I'm talking to, an imaginary thing about Jesus Christ, like he's living up in some sort of puffy smoky cloud thing. No, the clouds are camouflage. God's not in flat Like no, that's why he said he ride on them. Heaven is busy. They're working. Angels are working around the clock to see to it that the the, the covenant that the Lord Jesus gave His life for is not going to bypass you and that it's never violated. The devils are busy saying to it that it's always violated. And and in the middle of those two busy things are you laid back, blanked out on a mental trip, trying not to feel bad about a life that you yourself have got to work on one way or the other. You have got to fix this. You've got to do it. And I'm saying to you, young mother, get up, clean your kids up, Clean your house and take care of your babies and stop being so in love with yourself that what you bring into existence must be destroyed. Clean your house. Take care of your babies. They're crying and they deserve better. Whoever you are, I'm telling you that's the Holy Ghost to you right now. I'm saying to you, Mr. Father, stop bemoaning the fact that you got married and didn't plan for it to turn out like that. It, it, it turned out the way it turned out, but you're big enough to make, your, make you and your family a winner. So go win and stop running. Go win. Win your household. It's important that you recognize that. And all you Christians blanking out in Transcendental Meditation, God is sending you a word right now. He said, up to now, I've been protecting you. From now on, I'm lifting the hedge. And whatever wants to come in, I'm going to let it come in. You've got to start start taking on life. I keep telling you, and I keep telling the when I teach you, say it over and over again. Heaven is not filled with weaklings. That's Satan's propaganda. They were strong enough to kick him and his angels out. It is not filled with weakness. It's not filled with weak citizens running around. not filled with people running away from life, running away from God, running away from responsibility, running away from living. not filled with people who hate looking at themselves in the mirror. That's not heaven. People who are trying to change themselves a thousand different ways, that's the propaganda machine that's to keep you from wanting to go where all the solutions are and keeping you happy in destruction. There's a reason why they make people drug before they enslave them. There's a reason why. You need to figure this out. So I want you to make up your mind. I'm going to pray, and we will going get you off of those prescription medications. You are going to do the right thing. You are going to find yourself a good counselor, find yourself a good therapist, and don't get one that goes into, listen, don't go to one that uses transcendental meditation or any kind of meditation. You need mediation, not meditation. And we got it a little bit backwards. We take a couple of little letters out of it. You need mediation. And there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, not meditation. You need to pray and not blank out. Pray. He said pray. Always. With all manner of prayer. For all people. You are to pray and faint not. Pray before you panic. He never said meditate. He said pray. And when he talked about meditating, he was talking about reading his scripture, not emptying your mind for, for, for free-flying demons to come in. Woo, that's empty. God already told Jesus Christ himself, talked about the dangers of being empty. He said, when a devil is cast out of man, because see, some of y'all Christians are all upset about, well, I, I mean, it's never bothered me. You may not know it's not, it didn't bother you. As a matter of fact, if, what's telling you it's never bothered you may not be you. It may be what took over the last time you meditated, because you don't know. They're so good, they're seamless in your makeup. Jesus said when a devil is cast out of a man, he goes out to dry, to dry places, seeking someplace else. Why did he say dry places? Because the soul is not dry. A dry soul is a dead soul. Soul's fluid. It has a fluidity in its makeup. It's texture. It's fluid. And so he goes out, and he goes around looking for another soul to get into, but he's in dry places, nothing out there but devils and you know, ostriches and whatever else is in the desert. So he comes back to the house, and he, had, and he brings seven friends, because while he out there, he found some more homeless devils. And they all say, hey, why don't we go find ourselves an actual condo? And they come back in, and the state of that man says is worse than ever was. Some of you all, God delivered you in a church service. I'm looking at you. You got delivered in a deliverance meeting, and you got only I mean, God set you free. And you went home, and you had six weeks. Some of you all had three months. A few even went so far as to eighteen to twenty-four months. It was doing well. But see those spirits inside a home out there, and you did not occupy their place with anyone else. So vacancy was still on the door of your life. And they came in with seven more. Seven more worse than, worse than themselves. Seven more worse than themselves. And why do you, come on, Jesus, help me. I'm just hating, hey, Lord. I don't even know. Mm, Jesus Christ, the son of the God. Why is he saying seven more? Because that one you cast out also got overrun by stronger ones out there in dry places. So where you live, where did you come from? Well, I went over there. Well, let's go see if they still got any room. And some of you all have too many rooms in the inn. Because you didn't go home. You went home and you played music. You didn't read your Bible. You went home and you talked about it and you written it. Some of you all went home and picked up a ministry, went out there to try to minister to somebody you didn't even learn. You haven't even learned it, don't even know the Bible. You try to tell somebody your story because you don't know Jesus. And some of you all are fighting to death. Because the heavy ones came back with a vengeance. Because you see, you're meditating. And what did he say? Because that soul was empty, that place was empty. Oh, prophet, you know what I mean, don't you? Mm -hmm. That place was empty. And so he said, hey, it's still available. Let's go in. And his friends came with him. Now, Jesus ought to know. Now I know that there are some things. First of all, it cracks me up when I read these little statistics: how many people believe Jesus was God, and how many Christians. Is that kind of like contradictory? If you are, if you disbelieve Jesus is God, you are not a Christian. Write it down. Dr. Paula A. Price said that if you disbelieve Jesus Christ is not is God, then write it down. I thought I was a Christian. Well, shocker, shocker, I'm not, because Jesus Christ did not save you just as the son of Adam. He saved you as the savior of the world, the son of God, the son of David, the son of Abraham, all the way down to the son of God. That's what that whole thing in Luke is all about, Luke 4 is all about. So if you disbelieve, it, if you believe that, and a lot of y'all do believe Jesus had sex and had a baby, With Mary Magdalene, if you believe that, you are not a Christian. Now, you may even be a good theologian, but you are not a Christian. See, that's what an apostle's job is, to tell you where you're getting off in your mark of Christianity. You are not a Christian. You could be a churchian. You might be a preacher. You may be a pastor. You may be a humanitarian, a philanthropist, but you are not a Christian. You still have a debt to have. Because salvation pays your debt to hell. And some of you all are sitting around and say, well, you know, my friend said, he didn't do so-and-so-so. So. No, if you have issues with that, you are not a Christian. I'm telling you, because somebody needs to tell you why you still have time to fix it. If you've got a problem with Mary's virgin birth, you are not a Christian. Now, we're sitting here now today, we can do virgin birth and test tube babies. Now, we need a lot of equipment, a lot of machinery, but it's proving the fact that the Almighty who created us from breathing in us can drop a sperm in a womb. We drop sperm in test tubes all the time. So that argument is pretty stale. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of babies out here today that that's ha- where you ended up. Somebody dropped you in somebody else's womb. Oh, come on. You better know it. That's today. That's 21st century. And God was doing it without a test tube, without a lab, without a clinic, without a doctor, because God does everything without the help of his creatures. So now, as I could our whole fertility advancement proved the virgin birth. But if you don't believe that, you are not a Christian. And it's important that you understand. And if you have never acknowledged that you were born a sinner, not just you did a few misdeeds, you're not a Christian. You're in root. You're in holding. You might be in the lobby. You know, you could be out in the lobby in the waiting room. You could be there, but you're not a Christian because those are the elements of Christianity and they don't change. They don't change from generation to generation because they were not invented by those who articulate them. I love this. Isn't this great? It's good. So now God has made you a Christian, and what is a Christian? A Christian is not a religion. Stop saying it. We did, we did a great teaching on that Sunday. You, she said she can't wait to get it to you, so y'all need to wind her up a little bit. Just wind her a little bit because it's amazing. But Christianity, write this down. Get your pen and write it down. Everybody, get your pen and write it down. You cannot be an apostle and not understand Christianity. I mean, at least if it's not, you're going to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're an apostle of something else, hey, not my job. That's not my thing. I don't know it. I'm not touching it. I don't work for them. But I'm going to tell you that if you're an apostle of Jesus Christ, you have got to be able to run that thing up the front and down the back, forward, backwards, over, and under. You've got to be able to do it. And if you are, then you have got to let people know Christianity is not a religion. Christians allowed it to be lumped into a religion. It is not a religion. It is not. I'm telling you, Christianity is a person. It is the redemption of a person that draws you into the God, the God that tolerates religion until you come to him. Christianity, I'm telling you right now, it is not a religion. It's a person. The man, Christ Jesus. Now, you all, I don't care what your friends say. I don't care what the little preachers out the corner say. But you know, actually, we think it's no, no, no. If you were a Christian, we wouldn't be having these conflicts. Because you cannot know God until God is in you. When God is in you, you've already been bought. It's like your food and your shopping bag talking about, I don't want to go to your house. You've been bought and paid for. Jesus bought you with his blood. Christianity, I've said to you before, I'm saying it again because I have so many new listeners. Christianity came to earth. Every other religion grew up from earth. Every other one. Christianity came to earth, it came from the very realm of God, the altar of God the third person of the Godhead gathered up all of those who would be saved and gathered them up in his own being and traveled from God's realm to this realm and dumped us out in the planet. Oh, hallelujah. It's a phenomenal story. But I'm telling you, Christianity is a person, the man, Christ Jesus. It is redemption. We are not, listen to me, we are redeemed. We're not religionized. Everything we do from the moment Jesus Christ comes into us expresses God's world on earth. God's kingdom come to earth. We are the witness. Our going to church is a witness. Our paying tithes is a witness. Our serving is a witness. Our being in ministry is a witness. Our helping our neighbors and good deeds and charity. All of those are express witnesses that Jesus Christ did what he said. And we are the fruit of it. So, you know, stop talking about your religion. I don't have a religion. Hallelujah. I am a member of the Godhead. I am filled with Jesus Christ. I'm an offspring of God Almighty. Offspring, not handiwork. Offspring. Offspring. Y'all get it right. I am offspring. I am literally an offspring of the Godhead. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's a reason why God used blood and not dust, tears, or something else. Because blood begets and blood passes on. Blood reproduces after its own kind. You are a Christian not because you read your Bible. You are not a Christian because you read your Bible. You are a better Christian because you read your Bible. You're an intelligent Christian because you read your Bible. You're an informed Christian because you read your Bible. But you're not a Christian just because you read your Bible. You're not a Christian just because you go to church. You go to church because that's where your father is. That's where you meet your family every week. And uh, uh, don't even get me don't get even get me started on oh, yeah. But you know the churches. Some of y'all got ratty families that y'all race home to every year. You race home every year. Got ratty family. Mama and mama have drunk. Daddy is too high. And, and all the relatives are crazy. Some of you all have been molested and everything else by family. I got to have. They got to forgive them. And you can't forgive the people of God. And you to forgive family and did everything to young mother, but you can't forgive the people of God. But you are a Christian. You go to church because you're a Christian. There are markers of Christianity. You pray in the spirit. You pray in tongues because you are a Christian. But you, because you have the person of Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, does what no one else can do. Every other religion needs that other kind of reproduction. But the founder of Christianity puts himself in every child he receives. And he is so infinite, he cannot run out of measures and and replicas of himself. We all get a replica, a scale model of Jesus Christ on the inside that grows up in us so we grow up in him. Is this talking to you all? Because you have to stop to see you tristing over your Christianity. And you have to stop thinking that you've got a choice between Buddha and Wicca and, and Islam and Jesus. You don't have a choice. All of them are earth religions. That's why they are earthly. They behave earth-like. Which is why the Bible spends so much time telling you not to behave like this flesh, not to behave like this world, so everybody knows that you came, came from another world. Oh, come on. You came from another planet. Because that's what your, your God did. Jesus came from another planet. He did. He said, I am not of this world. The Holy Ghost came. Oh, come on, somebody. Y'all wrote with me. Come on, Paris, go. Y'all there? Come on. Come on, give them hearts. I love it. Give me some, give me some hearts. I need some smooches. Come on, Facebook. Y'all know, because you know what? You would have been confused for the next 50 years if I hadn't done this on this on broadcast for the last year. Because you were, you were, everybody bound up in the thing that's so popular and trendy. I can't even tell you how many people say, you know nobody's saying this, way you do. You know nobody's saying this like you. You know, they don't tell us this kind of thing. Do you know how many times I hear that? And I'm thinking, but it's Jesus. So what are we talking about here? It's Jesus. The Holy Ghost brought your spirit from God's realm. The baptism of the Holy Ghost didn't just happen to the 120 in the upper room or all of those who happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. The Holy Ghost baptized the planet with Christians then and future. Literally, past, present, and future. Because we were in him. Somebody say, in him. Come on, kid in for me. In him. Kid in. In him. Come on, kid in. I, I, come on. I want you. say Because in him. We were in him before the foundation of the world. Well, Prophet, what do you think? Well, I think they
0: certainly speaks to. I should say, oh, I guess against, but you know, shutting down the belief system that God really was reactionary Mm -hmm. to Adam eating from the tree. Oh, no. Adam ate the fruit. Now what? Oh, we're stopped. Ah, We're lost. Look at him. He's dying. Yeah. Instead of him knowing and planning the entire thing from the beginning, but still setting it in motion. And so uh, that's really powerful. Christianity is a person, not a religion. I remember one of the first times I heard you say that years ago. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, Christianity, what? And, but it made sense. Mm-hmm. It made total sense. And that was, of course, the days that I kept thinking, why haven't anybody else, why haven't we heard this? This is true. People say, even on the road, we just came from there. Nobody is saying this. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is that people are listening to a lot of ministers, a lot of preachers. And they're, what they're saying is they are learning God in a new way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's empowering because it gives you that identity. You, it's like you know when the identity that you have is real.
1: That's true. And the authenticity of something.
0: Yes. You know when it's not, even if you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't prove it, there's a thing long in the back of your head, long in the back of your mind. And when you hear the real deal, you're like, yes. That's it. That's it. And that's what I can buy into. When you talk about Jesus coming from another planet, I mean, we, we have so just dumbed down. Overhumanized. Diminished. But, but just like taking it out of the realm of God, mm-hmm. out of the realm of awesomeness, out of the realm of anything, and really did make this a church experience.
1: And a religion.
0: Yes. Yeah. But even our religious beliefs are so, you know, some of these others believe in all kind of crazy stuff out there out there. Mm -hmm. And we have brought this down to the four walls where we attend church.
1: Exactly. And how that feels in our lives. So that's powerful. And how we feel about church. Yes. At any given point in time. But, you know, I I want to keep saying that because it's so important that we get the fundamental. This is Bible study. You got Bible studies that don't tell you that you are not a religion. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are literally in into the Godhead because the Godhead inserted a measure of himself or itself in you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then the Holy Ghost goes and comes in and brings that piece of you that God that has been hid in Christ before the foundation of the world and now puts it in your mortal body right behind your soul, box up your soul so that it begins to convert your soul to who you really are to the divine nature that's in you. You think about it. The Holy Spirit came to the planet on Pentecost, that Pentecost, and brought the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of its civilization, the fullness of divine nature, the fullness of God's kingdom, and brought, to, brought Christianity to the planet. When Jesus died, they weren't Christians. See, we act like when he died that those apostles were Christians. They were not Christians. There couldn't be a Christian on the planet until he rose from the dead. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. The apostles were not Christians when he died. His mama wasn't a Christian. His brothers were not Christians because Christianity did not exist. They were not Christians when Jesus rose from the dead. And he, that's why he kept saying, wait a minute, y'all can't go anywhere because the plan isn't done. The work isn't finished. The, <clears throat> come, on, come on. Help me, Father God. I'm telling you that we are teaching this thing as if Christianity goes all the way back to Judaism. It does not. Jesus Christ did not convert Judaism. He converted Jews, and he didn't do that until the Holy Ghost came. He, said, he baptized them, and he mocked them, and he sealed them with his word, and he used his word to, to, to make them ready for the Holy Spirit. Well, all that you read in John and what you read in Luke, well, the, uh, the Father's going to send you another comforter. Listen, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, why do you think all of that's in there? But because we only teach about Jesus in the three and a half years, you can't find why you're a Christian. You can't find your Christianity. Those people did not become Christians until Pentecost. And it took Antioch to recognize that's what they had become. The apostles were followers of Jesus Christ. Everybody there were followers of Jesus Christ. And they were kept by his word. And then after Pentecost we began to be kept by the word and the spirit and the water and the blood. And when and when the Holy Ghost came, he just he didn't just bring tongues. He didn't just bring tongues. He didn't just bring singing some wonderful songs, making melody in your heart. He brought brought the fullness. He brought an embassy, a piece of the entirety of God's realm into this earth. And it's stationed here, and I don't care about what the devil says, and I don't care about wicked preachers, and I don't care about any of those things because none of them can move the Holy Ghost. And I don't care what they, you can cry all day long about, well, you know what they're doing to Christians? God's going to make so many Christians, they're going to be afraid. And two-thirds of them are going to be Christians. Mark my words. i prophesy it to you. They're going to be, because they belong to Jesus Christ. And he said, of all that God has given me, I should lose nothing. He's not losing one. I don't care if it's the most wicked person on the planet. If they're on the books of Jesus Christ, he's going to save their souls. Now, if they don't want to stay saved, that's something else. But God's going to do his part because God is faithful, and he's a good steward. God has saved some of the most heinous folks on the planet. We was, I mean, we look around and say, oh, Lord, tell me you're not going to be in heaven with us. But, we don't, but we're not quite sure how well how, how, it worked. You know, I'm like, I don't know if it really did really all take. I'm not sure. Christianity is a problem because it's potent, and I wish I could just leave it at that. But Christianity is more than that. It's a problem because it's omnipotent, because the omnipotent God begot himself from kids. Begot himself for some family, and he came into this world and plucked them out without anybody realizing what he did. Why don't we listen to this? You know, I got this book. You remember this book, guys? I know y'all thought I forgot, but you know, I don't forget myself. ABCs of Apostleship. Book two Discipling Apostolic Christians. A Congregational Discipleship God. Guys, text plus workbook. And Unit Seven Secrets kept hidden since the foundation of the world and before. Among Christianity's deepest secrets, our Genesis as the Godhead's offspring is the most perplexing and the most precious of them all. From the very beginning, the Almighty intended to reproduce himself because he wanted a family. He placed us in his first begotten son, Jesus Christ, to expedite the process of replicating himself throughout all his worlds and endless ages. As creator, the Lord desires offspring from every being he makes, angels, humans, and only he knows what else. The way he, as the Almighty, determined to extract his family from the earth is through the blood of the cross and the lost soul's faith in it. A most profound mystery indeed, and there are many, many more like it to be discovered. Laying hold of the truths of our creator lineage clarifies Christianity. I'm telling you that's a good piece of statement right there. creator lineage clarifies Christianity. His story is the taproot of our God's only, Excuse me, truly transcendent ministries. Let me get back. His story, our creator's story, is the taproot of our God's truly transcendent mysteries. It is the stronghold of the Christian life and the basis for Christ's stronghold on us. Amazingly, the God has gene pool reproduces itself in Christians' genetic code. It does so because the Lord never intended his children's conversion to him to confine itself to convert faith alone, as is the case with other religions. Religions and faith originating in this world come short of the supernal excellence of Christ's reproductive redemption because they enroll their followers to enlist them in their religious, their religion's faithfuls. They do not beget offspring, replicas of their deity. Christianity exists because God's son passes on his genetics to the lost via the Holy Spirit. It is his divine lineage that defines Christians. What you think, guys? Oh, did you all get this book? Dr. Paul A. Every church should have it. If you're going to be scripturally organic, you need this. You need to get this. Again, Dr. A. ABCs of Apostleship, book two, Discipling Apostolic Christians. What a sugar pie, Jesus. Did that bless you all? Did you get blessed up tonight? I think it was blessable. I think that was good, blessed up. Are they blessed, Ashley? Yes. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I
1: love this book. Ah. I- you are a Christian because you were begotten again by the third person of the Godhead entering you, bringing the first truth baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. When there was no church, there was a Christian. That's why it cracks me up that churches claim to be the, the, the heart and soul or the premises of Christianity. Churches don't make Christians. I don't care what your church is. Christ makes Christians and puts them in churches. He puts them in churches. Christians are made by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Living God. John 3, 3 through 8, you must be born again. And in, in many translations, is you must be born from above. A lot of religions have picked up this reborn thing because they've just got a renewed sense of who they are. They're the same thing they always were, they just were happier about it. We, we are slaughtered. We are, I have been crucified with Christ. We were slaughtered. When that man was on the cross, we were in him, taking those 39 strikes. When he was being beaten all night long, we were in him, being punched and kicked. Beer racked, all of, we were in him. We suffered that trauma as members of his body then, and we're still members of his body today. When he laid in that tomb and his soul went to hell, because a lot of you saints don't know Jesus went to hell. I don't know why you keep telling other folks they ain't going. Jesus went and he's the Son of the Living God and he created hell and he sent devils there before there was an earth. He sent folks to hell before he incarnated and yet he still had to go when he took upon himself sin. Yeah, I know. Isn't that good? Did you like that? I know you did. Come on, hit my buttons. You know, I want my buttons. Because you need to understand this. And when Jesus went to hell, he, he said, you will not leave my soul in hell. But before he went to hell, he said something really strange. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He sent his spirit back to his father. Ha <laughs> ha. And his soul went to hell. And his body lay in a tomb. Mangled and back, waiting for him to come back. And when God brought Jesus out of hell, come on, somebody. He brought him out by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus up from hell. God's everywhere. People think God's not in hell. He's in hell. He just hopped down and he mad. That's why he's hot because God made. He said, I sent my eye to hell. Okay, Deuteronomy 32 through 34, so y'all understand. So he sent the Holy Ghost to go and get his son. And when the Holy Spirit raised Jesus up, he quickened his soul, his mortal side, and he took his mortality and returned it to eternality. And he put him back in that body, and he ascended on high. I'm telling you, folks, that's a good story. That's a good testimony. And so when Jesus returns to heaven, you and I are with him. When he poured out his blood or his life force, because they called it blood back then. Well, when he poured out his life force on the altar, God said, it works. It is good. It is acceptable. There's no sin in your blood. Come on, come on, somebody. You left it in hell where it belongs. And he came back, and he brought the keys of hell and death and said, Dad, I got him. I got him. So he, come on, I got him. Now we can make the new creation. Boom. You know that's awesome. Now we can make the new creation. Because death and hell are back in our control. And now we can make them, and they can never be killed again. Welcome to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrected son of the living God. Y'all liking this? So now, see, all this time, he had to get the, get. come on, people, hear me. That's what Adam had. He won that. He won the keys to death because Adam was supposed to have the power over death and life, not given to Satan. Hallelujah. And he was supposed to have the power to incarcerate rebellious offspring, but he gave that to Satan. But since Satan was born from heaven, all he could do is take you to hell. I'm telling you, that's the gospel. Adam had access to it all. And he gave it, so Jesus had to go and get that, which is why the devil can keep killing people spiritually. Jesus like, we got it all. We own the key. And we think it's a little metal thing. It's not a skeleton key. It's the codes, the codes that stop a life, the program that stops a life. So God was not going to have a new creation that could be killed again. Is sugar pie? Can you say sugar pie, Jesus, now? I bet you can. Walking around here transcendental, dropping out on it. I don't want to drop out because I don't want to ever lose sight of it. I want to remember everything the man did. I want to talk about my Savior. Lo- oh, Jesus, yes, I will. Dropping out. Quit that. Whoever you are, stop it. Get out of that class and stop it. Now, and go back to your Savior and repent And I just didn't know nobody told me. Because I'm sure you weren't told. I'm sure you got churches having folks dropping out, devils coming in, stepping in people's brains, not knowing why they can't think, not knowing why they can't get the job done, not knowing why their cows is crazy, kids are crazy, not knowing why their body is turning on them. That's death. That's what Satan gives, death. What was in that tree? Death. Death was in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Talking about you trying to get some enlightenment. You, uh-uh. How, what, he, what do you need to hear? He enlightened Eve and everybody went to hell. What did, what did he get at the tree? Enlightenment, guys. The knowledge of good and evil. And we see still sending folks to hell on enlightenment. This man, our God, our Savior, our Lord is amazing. It's powerful stuff, guys, and it's powerful in the mouth of those who believe. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, your people say, but I don't really believe that. Then you're not a Christian because if you're a Christian, you, are, you ought to believe it. And God says you must believe to the saving of your soul. You must endure to the end because you understand your trials are about God making sure hell's not getting back in, but he's also making sure that you are not kept out. And it's all part of the plan for perfection because I told you the citizens of Jesus' world are not weak. They're not cowardly. They're not mortal. They're eternal. They are invincible. They've proven that. They're warring for us because they can war, because they can win. You know, I I, I can you imagine Angel coming and say, I don't I don't know. Um you know this is the you know i've seen i I had a couple of books on this one um uh, hold on let me call let me call somebody let me see if I can get somebody. because God well, I'm not even gonna share that with you. I'm gonna save that sometimes you just gotta know when you know actually we have a few more minutes. do you want to share some stuff what they're saying, some thoughts or something like that sure. and just any of the high points?
0: Well, there was a lot of amens and hallelujahs and sugar pie Jesuses, and that's true. Hashtag Mike Drop. Actually, <laughs> organic, culturally unmodified Christianity. MSN, I'm loving this. <laughs> Barbara said, Amen. Glory to God, glory. And Thompson, amen. A lot of amens happening. The blood. All right, oh, my, my God. True Lafayette said, My God is heaven. Uh, let's see here so rich, yes, indeed, glory, absolutely blessed, uh, let's see, uh, I am loving it, teach Apostle Paul Christ, I love what they say, your names? Apostle, Paul oh, Apostle Paul Norman, I like that, God is faithful, um, let's see here, I mean, just a lot of quotes on what <laughs> you were saying wow. as well, just bringing forth that revelation, my God, help us, help us, help us, help us. hallelujah, help us. hallelujah, oh my goodness, yeah. Wow and
1: hallelujah. Well, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go back and listen to this again and again. Sit down and listen with your family. Listen as a family. Stop it. Read your scriptures. Look them up. Confirm those words. Dig them up. You got phones, and today we got Bible Gateway. Key it in. I like the Bible Gateway people. I bless them all the time. Key it in so that you can look it up. And talk it over with your children so that they understand this, so that the next generation won't lose this, and they won't have it snatched from them the way it was taken from us. Make sure that you're, if you if you have a Bible study or a cell group, go through it, play a little bit, pause it, talk about it, share it, get some you know fill in the blanks because you all are going to get it's going to mushroom. It always does. Do that for us before we go, Norman. Are there any special things that you want to share about our Periscope? Oh, people said, <clears throat> oh, my God, come on, King Jesus. Somebody said, "Mike, drop. You're really going in tonight, and I need it, and I'm ready for it. This is some organic word tonight. For Pure and uncut. Pure and uncut. Okay. This is so for today. Love the wisdom. This word blessed me. Such a wonderful teacher. Amen. Sometimes I want you to hear one another, especially since we have a little Facebook and a little Periscope so we get a chance to hear one another. Please pass this on over and over again. You may have people that you've been trying to lead to the Lord and haven't known the words that make free. Pass this on to them. Invite them out cookie, buy them dinner, but share the word, cook for them or something, but share the word, because this is good stuff, and it's challenging. If they walk away and say, you know what, that's great, I got it, but I don't want it, but you've done your part, and they now know what they're saying no to. Here's the four, they've been saying no to propaganda. They have not been saying no to the gospel. God bless you. We will meet again on Thursday for Paula Price Show, 11 a.m. Central, and don't forget, Prophetic Ed, Thursday night. God bless you. Have a great Wednesday.